Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Startup Diary Podcast. This one gets a little bit technical. The first half, you'll probably be able to work your way through without a notepad. We're talking about shares, equity, vesting, EMI option schemes, the technical side of ownership of your equity and shares in a business. If you've got any follow-up questions, I look forward to hearing from you. Enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 291 of the Startup Diary. I'm Harrison Mudge and I'm with my co-host, Adam Callow. Hey guys, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Startup Diary Podcast. It's that time again where we put out three topics. We used to give them to Harry, but it turns out he was making the decision, <laughs> the wrong decision, too many times. We had too many angry emails. So now what we do is we put it into our Facebook group. If you're not part of the group, head over to Facebook, search for Startup Diary Club, hit join, answer two quick questions which means basically add value, don't be a dickhead, join that group, and I promise you it'll be well worth your time. Harry, what were the topics? Can you remind me? What were the topics you went into the group? (laughs) I will remind you of the topics, Adam. The topics were equity, share options, investing, or turning an L into a W for an event we hosted. And then finally, collaboration of the year awards. Were they in ascending or descending that order? That was in descending order. So the hot topic for today is equity, share options, and vesting. Two things before we get started. One, Collaboration of the Year Awards. I want to go into what happened with that just as an absolute passing note. It's not what we're going to talk about on the show if that one was selected. But fuck me, there's a story to tell about <laughs> me getting there on time, kind of. Uh, secondly, just to clear up, the turning an L into a W for an event we hosted... I didn't want anyone thinking that was the startup diary meetup event. That was never an L. Okay. This is a expert trades for Nothing a client. W's. Exactly. So this was for a client that we do here, expert trades. Um, so before we get into it, H, collaboration of the year. I was going to go for that show that was all going to be about how you build presentations collaboratively and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, it's news fest, but potentially helpful for someone listening to the podcast. I just want to tell you about the journey on the way down there. <laughs> so we're up for an award and I meant to be down in London at 9.45, 15 minutes before the spot. And it's a collaboration of the year, which means I'm going in with someone else, one of our partners here at Expert Trades. So I do some forward planning. I'm like, okay, so I need to get to the train station. It's about a 30 minute drive. I'm going to leave myself like an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Get on the M42, driving down the motorway, you know what Google Maps is like. Plus three minutes. Plus seven minutes. I'm sitting there in traffic. I mean, it's pretty good at predicting how long a journey will be. It was pretty good at predicting but how fucked I was. But it's live. It, so I was sat there. It was like going up. And I'm like, what do I do? If that doesn't move, if that goes to plus 20 minutes, I've missed my train. <laughs> so I'm stressing out. Miss that train. Take the back roads. Navigate my way through. You know what I can be like when I'm driving. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like like navigating this. I'm like, have you seen Baby Driver? I have not. It's a good film. I was like Baby Driver in that film. Watch it. It'll give you some context. So I'm driving around the back roads anyway. So I realize that I'm about to miss another train. I think, okay, have some confidence. It might be running late. God's honest truth. I run down the steps. It's it's a UK train. So chances are it is running late. 100%. So I'm in boots. Okay. So I bag over the shoulder, sling it into a car parking spot. Surprised I didn't get a ticket, so it was in a priority parking spot. Ran up the escalator, ran down the steps (laughs) to the other side, and I promise you, on my boys, as I was coming down, I heard doors closing. So I missed that train as well. I'm like, this isn't going well for me right now. Long story short-ish, 
Then get down into London on the next train. Tell the person I'm meant to be meeting. There's a chance that I'm going to be running either on time or late. I think I broke a world record from train to tube to the award ceremony. I, I sprinted <laughs> through London in boot. I arrived at 9.58. And I've got the presentation that we're meant to be giving at 10 o'clock on a USB. <laughs> Don't get me started on that whole thing because that's one of the reasons that I was unhappy in the morning because they wanted me to go and fetch a USB stick. Who doesn't mean, who said, I, I wanted to just, oh, I'll email you. Can't email you. I need it on a USB stick. Can I just share a link on Google Drive? It's a Google present. The network doesn't allow us to access. Can't access Google that. Uh, firewall. What? <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> so anyway, so we get into it. I get there at 9.58 and I am honest to God pissing with sweat. I'm a mess of a man. And the woman says, have you got your presentation? I looked at her and went, hold on. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> Give you, madam, can wait. <laughs> I see the person I'm meant to be there with and I look over and she's like, oh, thank God you're here. And she looked at me and was like, maybe it was best if you didn't come <laughs> with the state I was in. I was like, cool, presentation handed over. I'm gonna go and clean myself up in the toilets because last year we went to them and they were running like 20 minutes behind. I thought, mm. cool, probably got 10, 15 minutes to clean myself up, just try and compose myself, get my heart rate down. So walk out the toilets thinking, okay, just down my head, get rid of the sweat. And <laughs> the lady I'm presenting with is in the room now waiting for me, loading the presentation up. Walk in for the first three minutes, mate. Could not breathe. The guy stopped the presentation and went, would you like a glass of water? I was like, <laughs> I was like yes. Yes, I really would. Uh, then we got into the presentation. I won't bore with it. But that was what that Friday was for me. That's, was it Friday? No, it was middle of the week. We're doing a Friday show. That's what it was <laughs> for me. It was absolute nightmare. Takeaways are, for me on that, one, I did all the forward planning I could do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the world is just against you. Mm -hmm. No golden nuggets, just that. Sometimes the world is against you. One question on that I have yeah. is you say, I was in boots. Yes. Like that was a bad thing. Yeah. You're saying you wear ill-fitted shoes. Look, I'm trying to put my leg, I'm not flexible. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's barely past the table. <laughs> new Balance. I normally wear New Balance trainers. If I was running through London, okay, I would have been there two minutes earlier in New Balance. I wasn't. Why do you think that is? It's comfy. They're not Timberland boots. Running through London with boots, I was uncomfortable. Couldn't mm. get. I would personally get say that Timberland boots are not designed to be walked in. They're great. Because I, they're just stiff and uncomfortable. It was more of a statement piece. Makes me a little bit taller yeah. Fashion as well. over function. <laughs> Makes me taller, like an extra inch. Empowering when you're giving a presentation, when you're standing up in front of people. Wear my boots. <laughs> Pouring with sweat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a mess. Anyway, At Harry. least the Timmys are dry. Anyway, let's get back to equity, share options, investing. So we did a little bit of planning when we realized this was the voted show, didn't we? We did, because I'll be honest, it's way over my head. And also, I think if we just spoke through it, we'd probably miss a lot of the, the key points that probably need addressing on the show. I do want to premise all of this with, I am not a solicitor. I am not an accountant. I do not want to play one on the internet or through a podcast. So please take everything we're about to say as guidance and don't make any financial decisions based off what we're about to do or say on this show. Is that a good, was that a good announcement? Was that clear? Clear as, we'll go with that. Clear as needed to be. I'm going to leave it over to you, mate, because you're going to ask the questions and I'm going to try and give the answers. Well, I think we should just start with shares and what they are just for people... Okay, okay. Like I kind of know what a share is, but yep. even I, I'm, I, I just understand it's like a, a percentage of the company. Yep. Like what, what is a share and, and how do I use it? <laughs> <laughs> how do I cash that in? Um, 
So really simply put, uh, a business uh, is, is its own entity. So it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, and when you start a business and it's just you, you are the only shareholder in the business. Uh, so the way to think about a share is uh, it's the pieces that make up the ownership of a business. So an example being if me and you started a business and we wanted to both own the same amount of that business each, we'd have one share each or 50 shares each or 10,000 shares each. And when you actually go and start a company at company's house, we bought a smurl, by the way, in case you can hear that in the background. There's a counter that I realized we didn't turn off. It's really weird when it spins. I don't even know what that number is. It says 442. I don't know what that means. I need to ask Mark, what does that mean? It's going up, so... Always good. Up yep, and to the right. Up and to the right. So when you actually go to company's house, and this will be different if you're in outside of the UK, but I'm going to speak about it from a UK mm-hmm. perspective, is when you, to, you can actually choose how many shares you want to allocate. So you can choose how many shares your business starts with. Is so, there a benefit to having any number more than like one two or no like, there's actually a little bit of a negative is because uh, you could give yourself in theory a million shares i give myself a million shares the and the company would be worth a pound so then because you have to sort of nominate a value to these shares mm. is the problem that you run into in the future if you ever decide to raise equity one your initial shareholders investors gonna think you're a fucking moron because you start <laughs> because you start <laughs> yeah but i have a million shares exactly and they'll look at you and go okay great to meet you <laughs> but that'll be like guys if you want to get a piece of this pie, I can give you a hundred thousand shares. Yeah, sophisticated investor in my business. <laughs> that might work with someone who's a bit less sophisticated. You might get twenty pounds off, maybe fifty pounds. I'll give you some shares, Harry. Give me what's in your pocket right now, and you can have ten thousand shares, guaranteed. Because <laughs> all there is in my pocket is the lining of my jeans. The, the you lost your wallet the other day. The problem is, is if you go into business and you create this ridiculous share structure from day one, mm-hmm. is as you then build your business and you potentially take on some external investment, is you've got to navigate that crazy share like all of a sudden someone's buying 77,422.7 shares where actually you should work it upwards so you can always allocate more shares into the company you can distribute and create new shares not a problem so start from small a perfect example is what we've recently did is one share each as an example Mm -hmm. okay so if someone wanted a share of the company if someone came into the company bought a percentage of it or whatever and wanted a share of the company yep. and you only had one share right now yep. you would then multiply it by 10 for example just to make an even division so they can have 20 percent 100 percent. okay i shouldn't say 100 <laughs> percent, uh but correct yeah so what so i you, do so you can you can increase the number of shares as you need to to make it make sense rather than having a million shares ahead of time and yes. having to retroactively <laughs> retroactively try and work out what the distribution should look like the comment you've just made just to be clear on is you can allocate more shares while you are in control of your company as you okay. allocate more shares and bring more investors on board is there becomes a point and that's when we can get very technical because it gets into stuff like shareholders agreements like i can't go and create random shares in my company and allocate them because i have external investors okay. so day one you've got one share someone comes in and goes i want to buy 20 percent of the business you agree a value then you might go actually call cool. i'm gonna then i'm gonna make the company in total be made up of 100 shares. Mm-hmm. So Harry owns 100 shares. You then sell 20% to the investor just for clarity and ease. So the, the investor gets 20 shares. And so is the, what is, so my next question then is what is the purpose of a share? Is it just to make it clear how much- Ownership. Ownership someone has of a, of a company. Ownership. I'm not gonna go into 
this in detail, but some people confuse uh, equity as in the amount of shares you own with control. And as you grow a company, they are not directly correlated. As okay. in someone, here's a great example. So we've raised some venture capital. Our VC owns eight, eight and a half mm -hmm. percent of the business. Yet the amount of control that they have outweighs that 8% because that's what's in the shareholders agreement because that VC represents a number of different investors. So what they make sure is that they really tie the founder up to make sure that there's no funny business that can take place. So it's not as if they've got 8% of control. They've got a little bit more than that. So don't always think if you own- But that's because they stipulated more control over the share. But if in someone- In a shareholders agreement that is signed and agreed by all shareholders at but the it, point of investment. But if someone happens to have majority share, do they not have they have more say there, right? Yes. Yeah. Until you get complicated with legals. Which so if, I, so if they have 501,000 <laughs> shares out of my million, <laughs> yeah. they would have more of a say than me. Yes. Unless we agreed that I would remain head chief decision maker, whatever. Scary thought <laughs> that is, Harry. Yeah. I, I, the, the key point I want to drive home is equity does not directly correlate to control. On top of that, mm -hmm. speak to your legal team. If you're in the process of raising funds, the sentence I just said is what you need to be aware of. Then go and speak to your solicitor and say, how much control do I have on my business and what can the other person who is investing do mm -hmm. that I might not be happy with? Tell me everything they can do and everything they can't do on one piece of paper in black and white so I understand it. That's what a good solicitor will do for you. So why 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 do you need shares in a business then? Is it, is it just literally to highlight the ownership or? Highlight ownership and shares are what's in theory uh, valuable in a business. Okay. So a business generates revenue and hopefully if you've got a good business generates profit and those profits will get distributed through to shareholders through dividends. So if you're a shareholder of a company and it gives out dividends and you get a payment, the frequency changes, but you'll get a payment once, twice, three times, four times a year when dividend payments are allocated and that's a share of the profit. So that's one thing, dividend. And does everyone, I don't know if this is going down a different route, but dividends. Yep. Does every company give out dividends, or is that just is that a Optional. decision that the company Optional. makes? We don't, as a as a young company, uh, we don't give out dividends because we hold on to our cash and we reinvest it every year. The okay. the equity that's valuable in the business that we're in is on the case that someone wants to buy us in the future. So that all of a sudden, if someone wants to come and say, Adam, here's a hundred million pounds for expert trades, I will translate my equity into cash at that valuation. That's why it's important. They're the two ways. The problem is with equity is it's paper money to start with mm. until you get to something which is on like a publicly traded stock. So on the stock market, mm -hmm. you can buy and sell shares, which is what you're doing. That's another. That's a whole other yeah. world, but that's when... So on paper, you might have equity, but you can't use it. You can't sell it to a, a, another person. I can't go and sell 5% of my shares to some random person like I could do if it was a publicly traded company. Get you. It means nothing. It's that just paper. Sense. It's like monopoly money to start with. If there's no dividend payments and you just own it on paper, you're not getting any value from it. What you're trying to do is build the business so it becomes valuable enough to potentially IPO or get a sale or produce dividend payments. Interesting. That was something I learned. Um, Here to help, mate. <laughs> we should record this. <laughs> um, so when you start a company like with other people, how should you split the equity? That's a good the question. Shares? I think well, I think there's a risk as well as when you when you start a business, let's just say two friends start a business together and 
they naturally go, oh, we're friends. Let's let's just split this down the middle 50-50. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in my opinion, which, that's... Which is a common decision most likely because it's like, well, we're going in together and there's two of us and... Here's the problem with 500, that. 500,000 each. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Please ignore this million share thing. Uh, the problem is with that is the equity that you get from day one should reflect the value and input you're going to put into the business. Otherwise, okay. what will happen down the, down the road is three, six, 12 months later, you'll end up resenting each other because we might own 50-50, but I'm doing 80% of the mm. work. And it's about having those really honest, transparent communications up front with a potential business partner, because that's what it's going to be in terms of like, so how much time are you putting in? How much cash are you putting in? How much time am I? So let's just work this out just so we're on the same page. Because think about going into business from the same as going into a marriage. You need to make sure you're on the same page from day one. Otherwise, it's going to end up in heartbreak and divorce. Okay. And that is literally what it is like going into business with people. So you just need to make sure that you're both, if you're both saying, listen, we're going to work 16, 18, 20 hours a day and we're just going to grow this together yeah. and we're both in this, cool, 50-50, then there's no problems. But if one of you is a technical person, it's like, I'll build the platform yep. uh, and it's going to take me six to 12 months to build the platform. But after that, right, I'm done. You go, okay, well, I can't pay you to build the platform. So how about this? How about I'll give you 25% of the business? So you then what's called sweat equity. So you're not putting cash in, Harry, but you're going to build the platform. You're mm. going to get 25%. I'm going to keep 75% because I'm the CEO. I'm going to keep running it forward after the platform's built. How does that sound? That's when the negotiation's kicking and that feels a little bit fairer. You're putting time in, you get an equity, but I don't want you earning 50% because you're going to disappear after 12 months. That's a very basic example. So you just need to be very <laughs> ruthless almost to start with and just be very clear at least on what the goals are and the, the expectations from both yeah. parties. Use or- the word re- direct, open, transparent. Have mm-hmm. these co- communications with whoever you're going into business with because if any of you start resenting it, the whole thing is going to fail. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how good the model is and the business is, if you guys don't get on and you understand what you're getting into bed in, like you're going to fail. And you said if someone leaves, what happens if someone <laughs> joins... If you so we go in fifty fifty yep and we we operate for a year and it's like actually Adam it's not working out I'm going to go and I'm going to take my fifty percent with me yeah like what is I, I guess I get half of the business like a like a muddy divorce <laughs> here's the problem with this is that if two there's a whole I'm not I try and unpack this to really help the listeners because that is probably one of the biggest problems that you, you can run into so if me and you went into business and we own fifty percent each yep and you decide it's not for you after 12 months and you walk away with that 50%, that creates two big problems for me. One is half the business is owned by someone that has fuck all to do with it, okay? Mm-hmm. Very demotivating for me. I own 50% of something that if I then go and build to something huge because I am driving it forward on my own, I don't want to just own 50% of that pie. I don't want to and, make you rich. And there's no way of you getting that back off the person. When it's in pay- would you have to? Would you have to buy it back as well you could buy it back because like, in theory they could give it you back they could give they, it us back yeah yep 100 i could buy it back we could come to a deal but if you walk away and say no 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 I'm, like there's some there's some there's some traction here i know you're going to do well adam but i want to keep 50 <laughs> yeah. percent. i'll see you later it's on paper black and white it's a mm. like company's house i own 50 percent. see you later kid like that you can't get around that mm. there's no lawsuit that's it's on black and white it's paper the second part of this problem is you'll never be able to raise money if you're trajectory of your business is you're out to go and raise money seed round venture and grow and you walk into an investor and they're like okay cool so Adam you own 50% where's your other co-founder yeah. uh, he's is in the Bahamas doing, he's doing living the dream he's doing something else what, sorry what do you mean he's doing something else he's not involved in the company anymore 
Ah, it destroys what's called your cap table, which is your capitalization table, which is a list of your current shareholders. So you set yourself up for failure from day one because investors can't put the money in because 50% of the business is in your control. All of a sudden, I might not be able to get hold of you if, if I need a decision from the mm -hmm. shares, from the board, from the people that own the equity to sign it. You might be off the radar, you're not present. All of a sudden, everything from an investor's perspective becomes way more complicated and you're not incentivized as much as I want you to be because you only own 50% of the business. And then I would imagine that also means if the if 50% of the shares have gone potentially like technically off the table in yep. a way that anyone wanting to invest is only dealing with 50% of the value of the business. No, they so uh, when an investor comes in, what happens is something called dilution. So... Uh, but would it, all, would all, it shares, all, sh okay. all shares in the same class. We won't go into share classes because it's, again, uh, it would take too long. But uh, <laughs> all shares will get diluted. Example being me and you own 50% each, 50 shares each. Someone comes in and wants to buy 20% of the business. Mm -hmm. We'd get diluted by 20%. So me and you would end up with 40. 40 and the new person would have 20. That's what dilution is. All shares basically... People, the new person comes in, takes shares of other people. That's what the dilution is. So everyone's selling a little mm -hmm. bit of their equity. And the reason you do that when you're raising money is you go, well, I don't want to sell any of my shares. But the belief is, angel. we did a angel round, which was we raised 60 grand. Then we did a VC round, raised about 250 grand. And the VC round diluted everyone's shares. So my shareholding went down. But you do that because you think, I'm going to give up some equity so someone can buy it. So money comes into the business mm -hmm. so we can grow it. So what I, my percentage is worth more over time that's why you do it but so, the, you so the, the the issue is that if the 50 percent isn't there to aid in the decision there in might the first there, place, there might be a shareholder agreement which means i need your signature but you yep. might be off in the bahamas like you said can't raise money need your signature yep. need all shareholders present but to be honest it will never get to that because no investor will invest in the company where half the shares are with someone that's no longer present so there is a way to get around this we'll tackle that right after this break so we're talking about how do we protect ourselves and our business in case someone has equity and decides to leave. This is where the big word vesting comes into play. So let's say me and you go into business, Harry. 50 shares mm -hmm. each, there's 100 shares in the business. And we go, cool. We're both going to agree, and this is what not many founders do, but I think you should do it. If I started a new business today with a co-founder, this is what we'd be doing. We're going to vest our shares. Yep. Which basically means that me and you today own 50 shares each, but that vests over time. So we get given those shares from the business over a period of time. And normally it's over two or four years. So what that means is if you if you own, let's keep the math simple, you get 20 shares, Harry. Yep. It vests over four years, which means every year you get 5% of your equity released to you. You're owed it, it's yours, cool. But if you leave after year two, let's say two years and a day, mm -hmm. you've vested half your equity. So you get 10%. Cool? That's yep. what vesting is. So you get equity, but me and you are saying, we're in this together, but it vests over time. If you decide after six months that you don't want to be part of this, this is where a cliff comes into play. So two words to remember, vesting and cliffs. Vesting and cliffs. So, Harry, you've got 20% of expert trades. Cool. This is not fucking binding, by the way, so don't play this in court. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. 
<laughs> Judge, listen. Um, he said it. I've even got it on video. <laughs> <laughs> You've got 20% of expert trades. But I say, Harry, welcome to the team. 20% of expert trades. Nice. Great. It vests over four years. But there's a one-year cliff. And you might go, what on earth does that mean? That means if you leave within the first year, you get no equity. Mm-hmm. So that's the way to protect yourself to make sure that when people come in or you go into business with someone, you get a structure where the shares come into ownership over time not straight away but a year and a day means i've got five percent of my 20 means you got five percent of your 20 get it okay that clear yep super yeah, yeah. important okay vesting in cliffs but can you have a is a cliff always with a vesting period or is it just you would do the two because it makes no sense not i've to. never known them not be together so normally it's like you there's a vesting period, which is the the core activity, mm-hmm. but we want to protect ourselves in case you decide after three months it's not for you. I don't want you on my cap table. I don't want you owning any shares. So after three months, you don't get anything. Six months, nine months, 12 months, or well, 11 months, you get nothing. 12 months, mm-hmm. you've been with us long enough, you get some of your equity. That's how you make sure you've got a clean cap table. And does the, I guess the period is something you can decide when you can choose super flexible. And, yep. you, and I guess the intention of that is you would put it at a certain, time that if they do up and leave you've at least got the value 100 out of them before yes if if you if i say to you harry 20 percent of the business but it vests over four years that's me making the decision that if you stay with this company and do your job correctly over four years then you're worth that 20 percent. and hopefully that remember if you own 20 percent of the business and the business is going well you're going to stay because you, you want to increase the value of your shares so they're worth more. So mm-hmm. a liquidity event, which means the time where you can actually get some money back for them is your present and part of the business. So on that then, what so what dictates the value of the share? Like what is it worth? How good you are at sales. <laughs> 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 so the way that I like to think about valuations. One million shares, <laughs> I'm telling you now. That's a penny each. That's still quite a lot of money, actually. Yeah, you, uh, you won't. See? <laughs> See? Now you're thinking. Now you get it. <laughs> so the way that I think about valuations, and everyone's got a different view on it, it's a combination of art and science. Okay, so <laughs> if you've got a... That sounds like a magic trick. <laughs> <laughs> people raise money with ideas, mm-hmm. with valuations. So especially in sort of Silicon Canal... Sorry, Silicon Valley, Silicon Canal's our Birmingham local version. <laughs> Quick shout out to those guys. Silicon Canal and Birmingham. Silicon Valley... This is where investment ecosystem, where someone can go in with an idea and raise a couple of million. This is the the unicorn circumstances, but let's raise a couple of million with this idea. We've got this great mm-hmm. team. The truth is, is you can raise at any valuation you want to. You can say your company's worth whatever you want, but the truth is, is like with anything in life, if you say it's worth X and no one's prepared to buy it, you're not going to sell. Okay, so it's all about mm. trying to find the right buyer. And we're talking about investment here, uh, and you need to make one evaluation makes sense okay and that the reason i say it's art and science is because i think anyone that's raising money should have validated their idea so that's where the science part comes in this Mm -hmm. is here's what i wanted to build the big mission and vision and here's how i've proven that people want it and i've spent 300 pounds on ads and got this much return we need to build this platform and that's when it gets into the arty start side of it which is and the total addressable market is two billion. Uh, and if we capture the what, and this is where you can then, depending on how big you want to play this up, you can then build a valuation to suit what you need. The thing is with valuation is no one's going to give you a right or wrong answer, and, and no one can actually tell you what your company's worth. You just have to say, 
to yourself, what does a company need to get to its next stages? Are you choosing to do the investment treadmill, which is you're going to keep raising money? Or are you trying to do one round to get the profitability and go? As soon as you understand the investment requirements for the business, that will give you an idea of how much money you should be raising and then a valuation. Because if, let's just say you think your company is worth a million pounds today, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need 600,000 pounds you're not going to raise any money because you've got to you've got to give away 60% of your business to get to your goal and a, a smart investor won't invest in my opinion because one the founder only owns 40% of the business now it's not going to really be as motivated as before secondly if this goes well and he hits his targets we're going to need to raise again and again and again this is what the investment treadmill is, and it's about setting yourself up for the future to make sure that the valuation you start with gives you enough leg room to raise again in the future without you as the founder being over-diluted. So our VCs own 8%. Mm-hmm. I still own a very considerable amount of the business, which means I can afford, if I choose to, to raise more money, take more dilution to grow the business. The problem is if you give too much away up front of your equity, the shares that you own, is it really restricts what you can do later on down the road. There's a lot of numbers. It was. <laughs> you might need to go back and listen to it, people. But the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is valuation, what it's worth, what shares are worth, it's all monopoly money mm-hmm. until someone wants to buy the business or you've got dividends, probably those core, those two things. So a liquidity event or an IPO. It's a lot of letters. <laughs> a lot of letters and a lot of numbers. Um, so who can... So, going back, if you started a company with someone, you split split the shares. However, yeah, is that like how is that fixed? Is it fixed between those two people? As in, like this is a share split unless someone wants to invest, or like how do you how can you can you distribute shares between new people that join the company, or yep. can you say actually we should probably go a bit more fifty fifty now because we are I am actually rather than doing only twenty percent contribution, I'm actually more 50 yep like how do you reallocate can you give your shares to someone else yeah it's a good question uh so firstly if all shareholders are in agreement you can do anything you want so let's start there so if me and you go actually adam you go adam i'm no longer doing 20 percent of the work we kind of i really enjoy this i'm actually spending as much time as you Mm -hmm. on it as you are uh let's go 50 50 okay cool let's do it change the shareholders agreement submit it to company's house jobs are good and Two things that you just touched on is one, shares are a great way to incentivize incentivize employees, especially in the early days. Because early days in a startup, you don't have cash. Like the company needs cash to do marketing, like all the bills that you get. What you can't do is pay people what we class as market rate salaries. So if I take it way back when, our first CTO, Ignacy, like he was based down in London, he could have got a higher salary. Simple, same with our current CTO, Mark, could get a higher mm-hmm. salary. but the package you get when you join a company, part of that might include equity. So you actually, well, I know you're not getting paid what you, you could you could earn. One, if you go and work for another job, you've seen what that's like, it's agency work, mm-hmm. it's a piece of shit. Like you wanna make, I know you, you wanna make something meaningful and have control and build something cool that you enjoy. That's what in theory a startup's offering you. Like a rocket ship that you jump onto and it, it goes. But as part of that, because you're not getting paid market rate, you're gonna get some equity in the business. And if all goes to plan, this is gonna be worth a lot of money in the future. So you can use equity as an incentive for new starts, either in day one 
or year 10, when we get a new exec join the team, we might create what's called an option pool. And this is where we get really technical. So we're actually going through this process now. Strap in. Yeah. I'm going to try and keep this super high level, okay? <laughs> so as the founder of the company, what I want to do or wanted to do a couple of years ago is create something called an option pool, which is some shares that are not owned by any of the shareholders and can be allocated to members of the team or non-exec directors or so, people that have a value add to the company. Sorry, so why would you have a pool of shares that are not allocated to someone? Because what I want to, what I want to do as the founder is not have to go back and have debates and proposals left, right and center. I want okay. a pool of shares that the company agrees that when new people join or we want to incentivize someone differently or correctly, that we can allocate those shares from the option pool because then we're not diluting everyone. So you would have pre made this decision earlier on. You made this decision yeah, yeah, earlier on. Or you can, like, the, we made it probably three years into the business, mm -hmm. which is we wanted to create an option pool. So what that is, and I'm going to read it from the HMRC's website just to be really clear for people. So an EMI scheme is an enterprise management incentive scheme. Basically, for a company that earns, that has assets of 30 million pounds or less, you can create an incentive scheme. So your company can grant your share options up to the value of a quarter of a million pounds in a three-year period. You won't have to pay income tax or national insurance if you buy the shares for at least the market value they had when you were granted the option. Let's just zoom into the word option there. Harry, if I give you 10% of the business today, yeah. okay, that has a market rate value. The best you're gonna get is the valuation we raised at last time. So we raised at a 1.2 million pounds valuation two and a half years ago. So if I give you 10% today, in the eyes of HMRC, I've just given you 120,000 pounds. You don't get the cash. You're, the only thing that's changed in your world is at company's house, it says you own 10% of expert trades, okay? Mm -hmm. But HMRC, you go, we've well, just given them 120,000 pounds. So in your next tax year, you're gonna get a bill from HMRC for name the number as if it's income. So, but why Why is that? If, if obviously, yeah, no, what, why is that? I, 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 don't, I don't have a follow up to that. Why, why would I get taxed for something that isn't technically in my bank? Because, because the way that HMRC- Or, or even it, past- There is a value assigned to the shares. Mm -hmm. So HMRC, C, equity, me giving it to you, the same as me giving you cash, okay? okay? So that's why it becomes very difficult sometimes for employees who want to have shares to accept them. Because I could go to you, Harry, there's 10% and you go- I'd like, sweet. Yeah, but well, like, then... cool, yeah. You've got a 40 grand tax bill you gotta pay next financial year, 60 grand, whatever it is. Wow. So 45, 50. So then you go, okay, I don't want that. Don't give me the shares, don't want the tax bill. But I go, no, Harry, I wanna incentivize you. So then you go, how do I do it? And this is what the EMI scheme is. Because Harry, I'm gonna give you an option for 10%, which means you can have 10% of the business. The only time that you need to actually pay the tax on that is when there's a liquidity event. So let's just say you get given 10% of the shares, mm -hmm. simple mass, at a million pound valuation, they're worth 100 grand. But then we sell the business for 10 million pounds, okay? Your 10% is worth a million. So it's all part of the same transaction. You get given a million quid minus the tax that you would have had to pay on the 100K. Does that make sense? Because it's really hard and I understand that. Um, 
So in theory... So is it, so are you really just getting... You're doing two transactions back, in one go. But going you're really just getting around having to pay the tax because it's technically not... Yeah. In, you don't technically own the share until... Until they're bought. The bought. So it's part of the same day, But is second. that contractually yes. agreed? So it's not like, oh, yeah, well, it was an option, now no. the option's gone. Share option. So as part of a share option scheme, so a share option might vest, which is what mm-hmm. ours do, two years. So cool, Harry, your equity vests over two years. You've been here longer anyway. Mm-hmm. But after that, you can buy them at any point. You could come in and say, I'll have my shares, please. And then you pay the tax. Or you might say, no, no, I'll just have them at the point of sale or liquidity. So you could cash out now, but you'd have to pay, pay the, the tax. tax. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whether you want to or not is your choice. Mm-hmm. So what and, ha- and you would hope that because of this scenario where you were hoping that the business sells for a lot more, you, yep. it, it would make sense to just leave it in until... Yeah, why not? Until that day. So what technically what is happening is you are exercising your option. So you're saying, I'm buying, I want my 10%. Mm-hmm. So 10% is given to you. And then you go, okay, I've got a tax bill on this. Let's just say 40% tax. You owe the HMRC 40 grand. Okay. 100 grand worth of shares given to you. You owe a tax bill because it's income. Mm-hmm. You, own, you owe 40 grand. The company sells for 10 million. You've got a million of that. Okay, so this is going a bit detailed, but this is what the show's about. The million, you'll get taxed differently, because it's not income, okay? Hopefully, we'll fight for you, and we'll get it. We already know we have. You'll get entrepreneur's tax relief. So you'll get taxed 10% on that million. So 100K goes to the government. Then they go, hold on, you still owe us 40 from this transaction. So then 40 goes to the government. So rather than you getting the million, you get £860,000 into your bank. At no point are you out of pocket having to pay when you haven't had liquidity for your shares. Makes sense. That whole transaction takes place in one go. Makes sense? Yeah. Cool. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't come out of your bank and then you've got to wait for the funds to come back in to bring you back up to zero. Just got a bill for HMRC. Yeah. They go, well, there's income tax here, there's entrepreneur's tax here. Total bill is this. Take it out the money that he's getting. Mm-hmm. Pay the government. I look forward to my million. <laughs> <laughs> we have run on a little bit, but I think it's gone. I think it's been very informative. Hopefully for everyone at home listening, they've thoroughly enjoyed this. Any final words on sharing, vesting, and equity, Adam? I think it's talking about money is always hard with anyone. I think if you're going into business with someone, you need to have very transparent conversations about what you want this business to become and how equity is split. I think everything you've heard today, I'm, I'm either, I've either gone through or going through right now. If you feel like there's uh, a point in your business where you want to grant shares, uh, there are tax implications, there are legal implications, mm-hmm. you have to get shareholders agreements, go and speak to a... I, I used to hear this on podcasts where it was like, go and speak to a lawyer and go and speak to an accountant. I think, fuck that, that sounds expensive. Mm-hmm. I promise you, it'll be the best thing that you do because if you don't do it right from day one, it will come and bite you in the arse later. Uh, I got lucky because I, I, I read a little bit, I learned a little bit and I spoke to founders who had gone through troubles of not doing this correctly. So we're okay. Mm-hmm. But I want every listener, if you, especially if you're on the growth treadmill of raising money, it's super important you get this right from day one. So this literally when they come up with the business idea or when they think, okay, I need to start raising money, is that when you get someone in to, to advise you? If like, you've got- Like if how, you, just how soon, are you saying sooner rather than later, but do you literally mean from the minute you 
come up with the business name or I think where we're at is if you're going into business or me and you're going into business mm-hmm. together me and you can just say here's what we are one share each let's go yep. then we go Harry I think we're at a point now where we should raise some money that's the point where you need to think what does the next three, five, ten years look like and how do we protect ourselves mm. from external investment because don't forget one simple thing when money goes into your business you're taking responsibility and you have to make sure that you deliver against that that's what your, your fiduciary right responsibility is to deliver performance and success for your business because you've got investors into the business okay so when you do that don't take it lightly and when someone puts money in they might like you as a person they want money out Mm. so protect yourself simple as that well guys if you have any follow-up questions you can email questions at startupdiary.club or you can continue the conversation over on facebook in our group which is just search for startup diary club super simple simple as that guys any follow-up questions for this go into the group post it there i will help and advise as much as i can but just to emphasize not an accountant not a <laughs> lawyer go and speak to someone if this is something that's pressing for you right now one million shares guys remember that <laughs> <laughs>